0: Hey everyone, welcome to A Perpetual Feast here on the Circe Institute Podcast Network. I'm David Kern, a producer here at the Circe Podcast Network, and before we kick it over to the show with Wes Callahan and Andrew Kern, I just need to say a quick word from our sponsor. Roman Roads Media is a publisher of Classical Christian Curriculum, designed for homeschoolers and homeschool co-ops, and they're back this year with a giveaway for Cersei Podcast listeners. Each episode of Perpetual Feast, they're going to be giving away one of the 16 units from Wes Callahan's Old Western Culture Series, a high school video course that guides you through the great books of Western Civ. Complete with workbooks, discussion, questions, and readers, Wes Callahan draws from decades of teaching experience as he tells the story of Western civilization, integrating history, literature, theology, politics, philosophy, and so much more. Here's how to enter this giveaway. When this episode is posted on our Facebook page, on the Soci Facebook page, leave a comment saying which unit of the Old Western Culture you would choose if you win. One of the comments will be drawn at random three days after the episode is posted. To browse the available titles in the Old Western Culture series, please visit www.romanroadsmedia.com. So thanks to our good friends over at Roman Roads Media for sponsoring this season of A Perpetual Feast, uh, especially with Wes Callahan being one of the co-stars of this show. We are really honored to continue partnering with Roman Roads and with Wes Callahan to make great content for you. We hope you really enjoy this season. Uh, So without further ado, I'll kick it over to Andrew Kern and Wes Callahan and their ongoing conversation of the works of Homer. Enjoy.
1: So these, planning great endeavors, all night through stayed there on the battle lines with many a fire ablaze. Just as in the heavens about a bright moon, the stars shine clear when the high air is windless and sharply visible is each mountain peak, each tall headland and ravine. And down from heaven breaks out the infinite air and every star can be seen and the shepherd is glad at heart. In such numbers, between the ships and the streams of Xanthos, gleamed the fires that the Trojans kindled out there before Ilion. A thousand fires were alight in the plain, and by each one fifty men were gathered in the glow of the blazing fire while their horses, munching away at white barley and spelt, stood by their chariots, awaiting the bright throne dawn. Hey, Andrew. Hi. Hi.
2: You... Are reading the Iliad and I know that passage that's one of my favorite similes and the scene it describes is beautiful which simile the simile where the watchfires of the Trojans camped on the plain around the Greek camp are likened to the stars in the sky yeah. 50,000 watchfires like the stars in the sky isn't that beautiful
1: yes and 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 it's and it's also deeply ironic. How so? Well, because I was thinking how, and the shepherd is glad at heart, is how he ends it, at least this translation. Mm. In such numbers, the fires that the Trojan kindled, Trojans kindled out there before Ileon. It's a battle scene.
2: That wouldn't gladden the hearts of the Achaeans in the camp.
1: Yeah, and and, right. And gladness at heart. (laughs) I, I do think that in Homer you see you see that warriors can actually enjoy battle. There's, mm-hmm. there's no doubt mm-hmm. about it. Humans can enjoy anything. And um, so there's a sense of being glad at heart for some people.
2: That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, but uh, but also that you, you brought it up as, as uh, an ironic contrast. And there are a number of places, a number of epic similes in the Iliad that are ironically contrasted. Mm. At least they come across ironically. They are ironic in their contrast. Uh, a beautiful, a lovely, um, a gladdening scene is compared to a tragic scene maybe that's something we ought to talk about sometime in the future but we've I talked about sure. a lot of stuff in the iliating we have a lot of, we have a lot to go
1: we yeah well you know? we'll never it's a perpetual, feast, it's so a we'll perpetual never be feast but but you're you're right we've talked about quite a few things we've been doing this for i think a couple of years now mm-hmm. and it's interesting that that um well we're we're going to be making some changes did you know this I did. We're going to be making some changes, and I think our our, our listeners will like to know about this because um, we're finding that that um, there's too many gaps sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. so, for their sake, if not for our own, <laughs> we want to show love of neighbor and be a little <laughs> bit more respectful of their calendars. So, what we're going to do in this talk, what we'll do is review some of the things we've already discussed in the yeah. point forward. But but what Good. we're going to do going forward is we're gonna we're gonna We're going to do this as a seasonal, um, what do you call it, like a series, like Think TV where you have a series of six to eight episodes. What do you mean by that? How's that going to look? Well, we're going to record our conversations... We're going to get some famous actors idea. to come join us. That's and, a good idea, and, <laughs> and get paid billions and dollars by the advertisers. Achilles is coming in, and Hector. They'll be in the studio here. You, you would think the beer people would want to advertise the. the that's a great player, idea, right? Wouldn't yeah. you? Let's work on
2: that. And cigars. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay,
1: so yeah. White, Budwe- No, not. If there's Budweiser,
2: any distilleries there's out beers. there that want to want to sponsor us? I think that's that's we a good should, question. Yeah. There's some local breweries we could talk yeah, to. And arms manufacturers.
1: Mm-hmm. This Cubans could be very on Arms PC. manufacturers. It makes perfect sense to get arms manufacturers yeah and we'll get so but what we'll have then is a is a you and i will talk and we'll record six to eight episodes in as a reasonable a time frame as we can but then they'll play out for the for you listeners you'll get to hear week to week and there'll be six or eight of them instead of what we've tried to do is do one a month and do it over the course of with a year. varying
2: degrees of success. With so far, with
1: very variation, right? With various variations, almost polytropic variations. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who listen to them are the first episode. This is as well word. as a perpetual feast is a polytropic. feast. It's a feast. polytropic feast. It yes. Is. We should start a wine company. Hey, that's with that a good name, idea. Polytropic, and then we could advertise on the show. <laughs> uh, we sponsor ourselves. I wonder we could. how that works. We could do that. We could mm. do that. We could. We certainly need to talk. About Hill Abbey, ah, we need. Be, to talk about I would Hill be glad Abbey.
2: to. Yeah, and I'm just we'll going to say too.
1: this right now before we go any further: that that as as uh, if anybody is looking for a a, a um a post high school educational experience that is something between heaven and a monastery, <laughs> and involves really great fellowship and a year long. Or a school year long, right? Right. Discussion right. of great books and- The and church fathers. Church fathers. And you talked about physical labor too, didn't you? Mm,
2: yeah, we do academic work. We do physical work.
1: And right. this, this is Abla Hill Abbey. Boy. And what, it, what did I understand it to be is, is a school year long program for students that anybody who's single and out of high school and maybe before, the, it could be a gap year. Could be an interruption after a second year. You need a break to, to actually get your soul back together after a couple of years of a, a painful college experience, which unfortunately <laughs> is frequent. Um, but you can you can go to Hill Abbey, which is actually that's your home, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. And six or eight, six to eight, you said at the most eight. People. Yeah, we have very small numbers. We have a large farmhouse,
2: and we house six. We can house six to eight people, and we've got uh, large lawns and woods and fields at the, uh, where we walk and so on. And the students, when they're in the moments that are given to them during the day for contemplation and so on, have uh, a very, be- uh, a very beautiful and scenic and tranquil location to read Homer. To, that, to read Homer, of course, the Homer and the Fathers, and, and do their devotions, read the poetry, write their assignments. Yeah, Northern Idaho, yeah, right? Northern Idaho. Yeah.
1: How far are you from Cortland?
2: We're about an hour. You're that close to Coeur d'Alene? Yeah. Yeah. El the is on a farm, but a little over an hour south of Coeur d'Alene.
1: Coeur d'Alene is... I've only been there once. But that drive between Spokane and Coeur or beween, between your place and Coeur I've heard it described as the Alps of, of the States. And I think...
2: That fits. We're on the edge of the Bitterroot Mountains, which are the, the massive part of the Rocky Mountains in northern Idaho, and they're very beautiful. Oh. And the, the part of the country we're in is called the Palouse. It's rolling hills, very fertile, very green. On the edge of the Rocky Mountains, you can see the mountains off in the distance. And around Coeur d'Alene, the Rocky Mountains come right down to the, to the city, and there's a big beautiful lake there. It's very beautiful country.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I want to do this, but you said you have to be single. I can't do it then. <laughs> Uh, could you hire me <laughs> there you there you go there you go that's a
2: perfect idea
1: after david pulls his Macbeth and i'm out of here i'll come talk to you <laughs> actually it's matt it's matt that's always talking about doing a Macbeth, is Get, getting me out of here but david of course <laughs> is, is, that would be a richard the third or not richard the third henry the fifth ah what what, yeah. what? constant <laughs> or maybe King's a king lear. i don't know king lear King Lear, yeah, yeah, King Lear. <laughs> anyway, so so I, anybody who, who is interested in that sort of thing, please look into Hill Abbey. Um, Wes, what's, would, where would they look? Is Do you have an online website? We do, hillabbey.org. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hillabbey.org. Yeah. Yeah,
2: thank you for the thank you for the kind words. Uh, I, I welcome anybody who wants to contact us, who is interested in a, um, a, an academic and spiritual destination after high school. Uh, if they're not sure what they want to do, if they're thinking about their future, not sure if they want to go to college or finish college, and aren't satisfied or with uh, with their thoughts for the future yet, need a year off to contemplate and think and keep their mind active yeah. and develop their soul. Uh, we'd like to be considered as an option.
1: You know, I've heard of gap years, but always thought of it between high school and college. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but the idea of, of a couple of years college, it's not as probably as easy, but after a couple of years of college, your soul can really be worn out it, yeah. and it can be, it's so much work. Typically, if you're, if you're really serious, it's so much work if it's a good college, but mm-hmm. it's drivenness and it's, and it's modernist, it's Cartesian, it's, it's not really soul satisfying work so often. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be to be able to leave that in the middle and come from a, a contemplative year, mm-hmm. school year, that sounds really appealing to me.
2: We've had a number of students do that. And even some students who felt that same kind of dissatisfaction and emptiness after they finished their college yeah. and their degree. And
1: yeah. Not Why sure
2: what I they want to do, do and not ready yeah. to commit themselves yet. Don't have marriage and a family in the offing. And so they come and. And um, and we also have uh, a two week summer program that anybody can come to, mm. uh, single, married, whatever they um, eighteen and up, uh, and uh, they come and they live with us, and uh, we re- read one of the early church fathers is mm. particularly devoted to that. But we have a similar um, similar experience in concentrated concentrated form. We have a, a rhythmic uh, pattern to the day with morning and evening prayers. How many people we, can do that one? We can have um, up to twelve.
1: Oh, up to twelve. Yeah, and that, m- yeah married couple couples weeks. can come as well. Yeah. And when's that?
2: It's uh, in the middle of every summer, um, and uh, we have information about that on the same website, hillabbey.org.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So only a dozen people.
2: Yeah. Well, we have uh, we have more than one session, so if one fills up, I we see. can come to the other. Yeah.
1: All right. Yeah. And one of the things that you do, of course, is you talk about Homer. So absolutely, this perpetual absolutely. feast is Homer is yeah. Homer is partly my excuse to spend time with you. And partly my excuse to, and you're partly my excuse to talk about Homer. <laughs> 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 any any chance? Um, so so I should probably take a moment to come back to what what we're doing going forward, if I haven't already mm-hmm. beat it to death. But but for those of you who are listening and, and like this approach that we're taking, um, you'll get something more predictable, something more. Week to week, and there will be gaps between, of course. But <laughs> I hate to say it, but there are those anyway. <laughs> um, and and so we'll probably have two seasons a year, is my expectation of about six to eight episodes. That sounds
2: like a good plan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With more of a more of an observable theme tracking through each of the seasons
1: and so Something forth. Something like that. And so what I was see thinking. See if we can do that. We can do it. We will try. It. We can do it. We can attempt it. So what I was thinking for the first year, of course, I'm the one. I'm the one who's all you know, Achillean and and single-minded <laughs> and focused, and you're, you're the one who's Odysseus and wanders all over the place. Well, oh, that's so. an interesting characterization. <laughs> we may have to see if we can reverse that. Yeah. <laughs> I think the idea isn't so much to reverse as to um, harmonize
2: Okay. to, in, and uh, to integrate. Synthesize, to integrate, to, I like that. To that's to inti- good. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, we'll be synthesizers. Okay, we're looking for integrity here. Integrity would be yeah. good. Integrity <laughs> would be good, yeah. Yeah. Um, which, now, I don't remember us talking about this, but people who know me know that this is one of my obsessions is the parallel between the, the Iliad and the Odyssey, between Achilles and Odysseus and the prodigal son and his older brother. So that's mm. something I'll, I'll probably bring up from time to time. Good. But for this first season, it seems to me that what, what we were we were talking about and what would be a good idea is to pick up, to, to summarize some of the things we've been talking about mm-hmm. and then... Season one can be about the Iliad. Season, what is it? Season two? With I this coming will. season, David can tell us what season this is. We'll call it 2A for now.
2: That sounds good.
1: Okay. We'll call okay. it book, book okay. three. It all depends on the Alexandrians, how they wrap it. <laughs> but... but We um, are the Alexandrians. Oh, we can make of it what we want. That's too much responsibility for if, me. If
2: we're going to start a new season, though, we, it would be good to go back and, as you said, summarize and recap where we've been so we can kind of get a running start at it because it's been a while.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then let's do that then. And then let's talk about the Iliad from a general uh, uh, overview as time permits. And this, so okay. this season, as I envision it, we'll talk mostly about the Iliad. Of course, the Odyssey, you know, we'll keep it in mind. I believe they interpret each other. Um, mm-hmm. But and then, and then and then the next season we can see if we talk about Odyssey. So Good. let's let's do a review. Now, this is how I remember things over the last few years. We've talked about Homer very generally Mm-hmm. We've talked about a lot of different themes, and recently we started to zone in, to zero in a little more, to hone in, I guess is the word, a little bit more on the Iliad, and we, so we talked about settings. We talked about the setting of Troy. We talked about setting of the, of the, uh, Troy, of the, of the Greek encampment. Yeah. What did we talk yeah. about before that? My memory doesn't extend that far back. Do you have one? Uh, I'm not even sure I have a memory. That's what I but, was asking uh, you. Yeah,
2: yeah, I, and I don't remember how much we talked about the the, uh, um, uh, the tradition of Homer himself, the man. Um, that may need to come up again too. Um, we did mention that a little bit, uh, and th- uh, whether or not we talked about this, another thing we could we could talk about, and I don't remember if we did, is the history of the text. Uh, how it came to be written down in the history mm. then of the written text, how that passed through the hands of the Alexandrian scholars and mm. and then its future among the Christians and in the modern world and mm. why that text or how that text became such an important feature in mm. uh, Western culture and part of the backbone of education. We
1: can talk about that. I'm more obsessed with the text itself and what we can read on it. But yeah, we
2: can I am talk too. About that. But the reason though that I think this is worthwhile thinking about is because um, I think it would be a mistake if we simply tried to do an end run around all of the history between Homer and us. Uh, uh, and I don't think that uh, it's like with the scriptures, you know, the Bible has a history between its writing and its collection as a canon uh, and our use of it now and that history has a lot of bearing on on how we read it we can't ignore yeah, the history. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so there's a long uh, there's a long tradition that's given us ways of looking at the at the at the texts not to uh, not to circumscribe and limit our way of understanding it, um, but uh, not to be ignored either.
1: No, but to um, open it up to us. To we open want, it up, we yeah. Wanna, we want to see things. I'll yeah. take anything that'll help me see what's going on in there. Yeah, and if that's what's yeah. happening, what I don't like, and you don't either, I know, so I'll say mm-hmm. this: what I don't like is when you get these kind of academic analyses of of what's going on. So that you can pass a test on it and, and it doesn't even mm-hmm. inform your reading of the book. So
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We'll, we'll avoid
1: that. We will. One of my, just
2: parenthetically, one of my favorite modern authors about Homer is a Canadian classicist named T.R. Glover, who I may have,
1: I seem to you have mentioning. talked about T.R. Glover. Yeah. I'm glad
2: you did now. in one of his volumes is volume of collected essays. And one of the essays is called Homer and his readers. And it's just a delightful mm. survey of how people have uh, been intrigued by Homer and how people have read Homer, uh, not in academic, uh, um, uh, you know, scholarly fashions, but, but, uh, but the evidence we have of old men gathering in Rome in the late Roman Empire, in the golden age of the empire, gathering in the on a sunlit piazza with their wine and opening the book and reading Homer to each other. Like right. that wonderful picture, the right. painting by the Victorian uh, painter uh, Lawrence Almanitadema that shows um, a group of people sitting on benches and lying on the floor and someone reading the, the, the text of Homer. So Glover's picture of how people have enjoyed reading Homer, not as scholars, but as human beings, right, as, as lovers humans. of poetry and beauty. Yeah. Uh, it's just a as a as a wonderful model for how we could approach it. That's well said. Uh, but back to your back to your summary of what we've covered. We talked about the setting of the city. We talked about the description and the layout and the geography of the of the Greek camp. What else have we talked about recently?
1: Well, every now and again, somebody will come up to me and say that there was some conversation that we had that gave them some new insight, either into Homer or even into education. And I'm wishing I could remember some of those because that's kind of inspiring when, when. You know, something like that yeah. happens, and you you trigger a lot of thoughts like that in my mind. Just it spills so far beyond
2: the text. Same thing. You probably, you, I'm sure you have the same experience I do. As I'm listening to you, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, oh yeah, I need to remember to bring this up. Oh yeah, there's this, and that is a great connection. But I don't want to interrupt you because you're doing such a brilliant job of connecting <laughs> things too. And then by the time, uh, you know, by the time I, uh, you know, feel it's appropriate to bring it up, so many things have piled up in my mind that I can't think of any of them.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I'll, yeah. That's my yeah.
2: But also, like you, I've heard from. Uh, I've heard from some of our listeners who say that they have book clubs or discussion groups. There, there, are various groups I've heard of that get together for dinner or they meet over their wine in the evening and sit around the, you know, sit around the living room and they'll and all having listened to some of the things we've said, then they have their own discussion and come up with brilliant new things, My jumping goodness. beyond what we've talked about. And and some of them have asked questions and like you, I can't remember what those questions are. But um, but what there...
1: makes me happy about that is that it means that it means that. Our discussion is participating in a broader discussion, yeah. And it's not just a couple people doing these analyses, right? There's, there's a lot. We're helping other people apparently with their discussions. That's that's the goal, and um, and certainly I'm learning a lot from it. And you know, that's a dream come true. And we get to read Homer.
2: I wonder if it might might be interesting in future episodes if people. Uh, contact Cersei with the questions about this podcast. We could we could uh, keep track of those and answer some that's, of them. That's
1: that's a good idea. In fact, the um the Close Reads podcast at least, and I think others too, I think uh Cindy Rollins podcast, um the Mason Jar, they have Facebook pages. Oh really? Yeah. So maybe we should well, talk about We should to catch David up to the modern
2: um, world, shouldn't we? I don't want As long as we don't fit. I don't mind
1: catching up as long as we don't fit.
2: <laughs> yeah. We can stay out of step. Yes, okay. please, please.
1: Homer <laughs> will help us do that. <laughs> when, you mentioned Glover. One of my favorite um, books on on the on Homer's writings is is a, a more recent one by Eva Brand. Mm. Uh, it's called Homeric Moments. Have you seen that one? Yes, yes. She taught Homer for fifty years at St. John's, and just she taught Homer himself. On. Right. Yes. Oh,
2: so he was a pupil of hers. That's, yes. That explains a lot. That's yeah.
1: why he can write so well. Yes. <laughs> And, and 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 also there were other students who would sit in the class and, oh, okay. and listen yeah. and
2: so but his works became the most famous absolutely
1: one. yes <laughs> the rest of them just <laughs> talked about it
2: i and, have i have read that it's a and, and it's a wonderful book i agree
1: well what i love about it is that it's 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 the product of many years of meditation yeah. and reflection and conversation and so there's a depth of insight to it that's really extraordinary and it's very personal mm. She has a very yeah. personal way of writing, Eva Bran E-B-R-A-N-N.
2: Yeah, tutor so, of St. John's for what fifty years or over something, right? over, over fifty, 50 years. years. We
1: gave her the Pardea Prize of, of three yeah. four years ago. Yeah. That was an exciting moment in my life in Charleston. Uh, yes, yeah. I believe so. I always mm-hmm. I see I never can remember where the banquets take place because <laughs> <laughs> they're inside. You know, you're not walking down the streets uh, of the city,
2: uh, <laughs> huh? We talked also about, um, uh, or we were leading up to. I think we may even have raised uh, uh, the, the questions uh, about the hero, but we never really got to it. So I expect that'll be coming up as well, right?
1: Yes, the question: Who is the hero? Who is the hero? Right, if you're talking, the reason we were talking about settings is to lead us into the story. Yeah. So in this in this season, whatever it is, two A. In this season, we will be talking about the hero of the Iliad. Who is the hero? And, and what is a hero? What is a hero? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And what's his problem?
2: And what's what, his problem?
1: Yeah. What What? What are his options? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Who is it? Well... We've talked about Agamemnon. Recently, we talked about Agamemnon. And I'm trying to remember what, why we did that. It was... You talked no, oh cuz you talked about the messages the the fires. Remember that? And oh. and then Agamemnon was when he went home. Yeah. And he got the play the, the, the play
2: Agamemnon by Aeschylus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're at the yeah. beginning of the watchman sees the fire on the, the the beacon fire on the nearby hill. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. But and there's it doesn't a lot take long, does it? For the for the fires. No, try um, trying right, to. Uh
2: the, the the only the the only time it takes to get for the watchfires to hop from hilltop to hilltop from Troy around the perimeter of the of the of the Aegean Sea to Mycenae where Agamemnon's palace was would be the speed of light <laughs> and the time it would take for each each watchman to light the next bonfire yeah uh, but as soon as your fire goes up a guy 30 miles away on the nearest hill is going to see it. So it's a very mm. rapid method of communication. Mm. It's limited because all you see is a flame. There's no right. text. There's no words. But if right. there's an agreed upon message beforehand, when you see the light, Troy has fallen. Uh, it gets back mm-hmm. home rapidly. But there's I, a lot more to say about Agamemnon, uh, both the man and the play too, that mm-hmm. I think we can explore mm-hmm. later.
1: It's 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 hard to imagine how intense that feeling would have been when that flight, after 10 years, when that light went, flame went up.
2: I think we, we may have we may have uh, discussed uh, a, a depiction of that in the in the uh, in the the movies the Lord of the Rings where we they did. do something similar yeah. Watchmen who are sitting day after day month after month shivering on top of a mountain top wrapped in their cloak by a big pile of fire stacked up just ready to ready to light you got to keep it dry you got to keep it safe you got to keep your tinder and your tinder and your flint ready
1: imagine if you got but when
2: that one moment comes if you're not ready what a what a yeah. what a weight of guilt. But if you are, what a glorious mm-hmm. moment that would be. You see the fire and you light the light
1: I can't the fire. help it, but it but I have to say it's it's something like when our Lord returns. I mean you you just
2: you, you think yeah. uh, and the ten virgins in the parable Jesus tells be really ready, be vigilant. Now. <laughs> yeah, I can let my my lamp get a little bit low. Right. Mm. Huh.
1: Yeah. So 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 did we talk did we talk about the philosophy of of Homer at all? Did we? we I know we talked about the gods and the humans. Did we've we talked about
2: philosophy all over the map, but I don't know if we've talked in a more focused way about what philosophy Homer might be. Uh, it's certainly not a philosophical text, but what philosophy uh, we might see in Homer, although that's has to come up eventually.
1: I disagree with you.
2: You do huh? feel uh, free. I think it's a philosophy, but you're wrong. Text. Oh,
1: you think it's a philosophical
2: <laughs> Well, that depends what you mean by philosophical text. Fair enough. Fair And enough. what you mean by philosophy. And what you mean by a text.
1: Well, that's true yeah. too. Yeah. There are there are I'll, answers, I'll change but... it to artifact. Okay. It's a philosophical artifact. It's mm. not it's not an analytical artifact. And and this is my theory, which I'll just put out there so people can laugh at me and never listen again. <laughs> I believe that the two greatest philosophers that ever lived were Moses and Homer. Hmm. And that both of them were consciously giving birth to and guiding a civilization. I also believe, hmm. I, I also believe, and it's hard, it, it's hard uh, to...
2: I was with you until you said conscious, consciously, but but go ahead. I think go they ahead. were aware. Yeah, that's that's what... We'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah. So just keep going. I know
1: it's it's kind of unprovable, but I think there's evidence that they were aware. Yeah. Just if nothing else, through the skillfulness with which they do it.
2: They might have to. Then then we might have talked about what you mean by guiding. Yeah. Because if Homer
1: Homer they did is, regard him as their master uh, teacher,
2: uh, they did. Yeah. Downstream, they looked at him, but but you you said that
1: he consciously I think is he a was guide. deliberately teaching them.
2: Uh, that's that's okay, if that's what you mean by guiding, that might be so. Homer's a bard in an oral age when there's no written text, there's no literacy, and the poets were the embodiment of their of the, all their cultural stories about mm-hmm. how they understood mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. so I think I, I agree with you completely i'm I'm sure he understood himself to be a conveyor of cultural truth and cultural wisdom and so on because the poetry. Were there texts that embodied conveyor, what they, yes, what they but, thought, what gave their lives meaning and their cultural significance?
1: Yes, but I also think that, I think he was aware that, that they were, we can analytically look back and say the dark age is coming to an end and now the archaic age is beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think he was aware that Greece, what we call Greece, was entering a new age. And I think mm. he was, I think he was, um, the way that during the Renaissance they were aware, the way that our founding fathers were aware. Yeah, but you can't,
2: I don't think that it would be very easy to describe the age that Homer lived in as like a Renaissance.
1: Uh, no, because the, he it, caused it, it. But but yeah, but, but there yeah. was but there was an increase. Okay, people who don't like centralized government will like won't like the way I'm putting this. But there's a degree of centralization. There was an increase of order in his age. There was a coming together of adequate government by which society could be forming in ways that it hadn't been before
2: if it were true that that was happening his day i think you'd have a make a good case i i would question whether that those things actually happened in his day i think they happened after homer's time but that's part of the problem with the historical evidence for who or when homer lived um, but I understand the point that you're making, and and I'm I'm dragging my feet and being cautious and skeptical just to make so. just to make you work at this. Yeah. Um, although I, I I do think you um it would be it would be difficult to to make the case further than the tenuous way you've done it. Uh, but I completely agree with you that he was a guide. Whether he and uh, I'm only questioning whether he intended it, uh, but I agree with you that he clearly became the great guide for Greek culture. Yeah.
1: Well. I heard some bells. We're out of time, but I just will end with this. Why on earth would somebody teach or guide people without meaning to? But more practically. I don't think Homer's purpose
2: was to guide. I think he probably knew that that's a role that a poet fulfilled. I think his purpose was simply to delight but i can no more prove that than you can prove the prove your well, case well we
1: can what we can do is we can look at human nature and we mm-hmm. can ask what's the greatest delight and mm-hmm. and then we can explore that so i would Let's propose that. that in our next conversation we do two things one is we talk about what a hero is and who the hero of the iliad is and then when we get really frustrated with each other <laughs> and mad and stuff then we can draw back and talk about this more simple question of was Homer deliberately consciously guiding create was was Homer deliberately creating western civilization was he creating hellenic or whatever archaic civilization that sounds
2: and i'm like, going to say he was that sounds like a lot of fun and i'm looking forward to seeing whether we actually stick to the topic next time but then that's never been one of our real goals has it
1: well the topic the topic Again, it's the it's the Achilles and Odysseus thing. Achilles would always stick exactly to the topic in a conversation I could wage, <laughs> but Odysseus would be happy to wander all around it.
2: <laughs> and that's because he was polytropic.
1: He was polytropic, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yes. So it probably should be his bust on the label for our wine. Yes. Our polytropic, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Good.
1: Good. Yes, and and so 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 we need to have. We need to have a topic, a poll, that we'll stick to, and then we need to understand that Odysseus is going to want to wander.
2: Yeah, and if we do wander, that's a lot of topics, so we would be polytopic as well as ah,
1: polytropic. That's good. That's good. We could now, be tropaic and topaic. <laughs> I have
2: to. I have to Topical. mention we, because we, we we forgot to mention this at the beginning that uh, uh, t- for me to be sitting in the studio with you in person oh, yeah. in this podcast yeah. has been uh, especially a delight. I can see your face and react.
1: Yeah, it is uh, fun. Isn't it? And
2: and to look around me and see the see the Cersei studios is quite a pleasure. So though normally we're in different <laughs> places, it's nice to see face to face. This to is face. a
1: pleasure to look around yeah. and hear it. <laughs>
2: And next time we have to get some of the audience in here. Yeah, that would be fun. It would be fun. That yeah. would be fun. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. We have to have you here more often. I'd I'd like that. Yeah. Any time you can hear you're, the clinking of our glasses and yep, yep. Anytime you're in the state of North Carolina, let me know.
2: Thank you. I we will gotta, do that. We do I will something.
1: do that. At, at this point, we should have mercy on the <laughs> listeners and say thank you, thank you for coming to listen to us. Thank you for. Uh, being so patient with us as Mm -hmm. we've been trying to figure out the best way to do this. And Wes, may the Lord remember you in his kingdom.
2: Thank you. and May he remember you as well, my friend.
1: Thank you.